Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Nights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And today we are back in the much-awaited Essos in a Daenerys chapter, Daenerys 3 to be exact. And today's special guest is Alicia. Thank you for coming. Would you like to introduce yourself to the sweet summer fam? Hey guys, like she said, uh, my name is Alicia. I obviously really love the song of ice and fire enough to be on this podcast nerding out with gray um i've read the books five times now but i think i lose a little bit of cred because it's been probably a good two years since my last reread but i do love daenerys so here we are yes so i'm super excited to do this chapter with you because i know like we have talked privately about daenerys many times and like Mm -hmm. what she means to both of us as a character so i feel like this is going to be a very fun chapter reread might be a very long drawn out (laughs) this might be a long episode get your popcorn get your popcorn So we last left off with Daenerys at her wedding to call Drogo. And Dothraki custom is for Drogo to take his bride and present her to the Dosh Kaleen in Vast Dorthrak. Is it Vast Dorthrak or is it Baeus Dorthrak? I always, I don't know. I always try to kind of throw an exotic player on it and say bias, but really quickly. So it kind of, instead of bias, it's like bias. I don't know. By <laughs> so like they have this long journey from Pentos to Vice Dothraki, <laughs> and this chapter opens on the Dothraki Sea. It's basically like fields and fields of grass, oceans of grass, and I want to read this quote because I feel like it's juicy. There are a hundred kinds of grass out there, grasses as yellow as lemon and as dark as indigo, blue grasses and orange grasses and grasses like rainbows. Down in the shadowlands beyond the shy, they say there are oceans of ghost grass, taller than a man on horseback with stalks as pale as milk glass. It murders all the other grass and glows in the dark with the spirits of the damned. The Dothraki claim that someday ghost grass will cover the entire world and then all life will end. So uh, quickly, before we get too far into the chapter, let's talk about ghost grass. Do you have any ghost grass theories? Um, I wouldn't say theories. I kind of get, I don't know. I, I, I kind of get the feeling you're trying to make an ass out of me. For no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, I would never. So I, I don't know. Um, every time I read the beginning of the chapter and it talks about ghost grass, it, I go back and forth between, ooh, this is a big hint, hint towards something. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think anything in George R. R. Martin's world is a throwaway line per se, but I do think it is kind of more 
enriching to the world building. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it isn't kind of setting up something later on down the story. I just think that there's also a good possibility that it's just good world building in the sense that even in our real world, most cultures and civilizations have some form of a flood story, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think of the ghost grass and there are a lot of parallels to the others mm-hmm. and building on their army of the dead, especially when it talks about the ghost grass choking out all other life. And um, I don't know, but maybe, maybe I'll have this kind of, epiphany while we're talking and then I'll touch you off really rudely while we're talking about something completely unrelated and be like ah ghost grass anyway um well let me run my idea past you you tell me what okay okay so when he was describing the grasses like yellow and dark and blue and orange and rainbow I was like okay well that's like people like there are hundreds of kinds of people in the world and then I'm like, okay, so is ghost grass like a metaphor for the White Walkers? Like the White Walkers are described kind of just like ghost grass, like tall and pale, like their eyes glow. The whites are definitely like spirits of the dam. They would definitely end the world. <laughs> yeah. And then also like the White Walkers are tied to children who are tied to nature. And so nature is tied to grass. So maybe like ghost grass is like a White Walker metaphor. Like prophecy is never what you think, but I like the idea. Like, you know, how we have so many different like legends of like the last hero and mm-hmm. the 13th Lord commander and ghost grass and the lady with the monkey tail, like all these different mm-hmm. stories. I would really like, like if they all meant the same thing like they were all pieces to some kind of puzzle right right and I think that's kind of I'm of the same mind as you you know that's definitely my leaning it's like I said like even in our real world most ancient civilizations and cultures have a flood story Mm -hmm. have an idea of how they think the world is going to end and it would make sense to me that in Planetos as most of us in the fandom are fond of calling it. Um, it it would make sense to me if all of them have some sort of apocalyptic myth in a sense um Mm -hmm. i I also notice a lot and it didn't really occur to me until not that we want to reference the show (laughs) in any way but um we all know that eventually danny and john are going to come together Mm -hmm. and it's cool to see how george throws in itty bitty little ways to parallel their journeys yeah um and i think that's kind of the little i think it's a nod to the others like you said and i think it's a nod of what's to come for danny and just very subliminally tying in danny and john together little by little as the books and chapters go by what a tangled web he weaves (laughs) (laughs) so i also wanted to talk about how people romanticize the relationship between Khal Drogo and Daenerys. Like I'm, mm. even, I'm even guilty of it sometimes. Um, yeah. But like if Daenerys too, didn't make you see that Daenerys is like this victim of circumstances and that like the Daenerys and Khal Drogo story isn't really a love story, then Daenerys three, I feel like it should do that. Like, I'm not saying that like Drogo is a terrible person or fuck Drogo or anything like that. 
I, I'm not saying that Daenerys doesn't come to have love for him. I'm saying like she has no choice. Like their relationship started with like a ton of trauma and she doesn't have a choice other than to learn to love him. Right. And I feel like uh, this chapter shows that a lot. Right. I mean, at one point it literally says, like, she thought, like, just, just from riding the saddles, I mean, there were a lot more to it, just from riding around in the Dothraki Sea, and it talked about the pain she felt from chafed thighs and her blisters. It said she thought she was going to die. And something I've noticed about George, he uses different language depending on who he's writing for. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny's not really a traumatic person. Yeah. You know, she's a pretty tough girl. Um, I would imagine that a young girl who has been in exile her entire life and been on the run wouldn't be so pampered that riding around and getting blisters is all that big of a deal unless it was a indeed a very big deal right so, I mean, it, it's a huge deal right so for her to be in that much physical misery in that much physical pain I think it speaks volumes because I think she's a tough girl and Mm -hmm. it's just so sad when you read on, it's like, well, even her nights didn't bring any relief because. uh, Um, She rode a horse all day that that, uh, chafed her thighs, gave her saddle sores. She says like her ass, well, she says her bottom was hideous and bloody. Her Mm -hmm. thighs were chafed raw. Her hands were blistered. The muscles on her legs and back so racked with pain that she could ca- she could scarcely sit. And then Drogo comes in. He first of all he ignores her all day, mm-hmm. um, just like he did with in their wedding. Ignores her, and then like he rides her as relentlessly as he rode his stallion. Um, and he always took her from behind. Like she was crying. She like it. She says, day followed day and night followed night until Danny knew she could not endure a moment longer. She would kill herself rather than go on, she decided one night. So she's ready to commit suicide. Right. To not have to live this life that she's living. It's not an easy life. You have to be a strong person to even be able to endure that. Right. And I think it just really speaks to... The first portion of this book is just hardcore cringe. You know, um, not the first portion. The first portion of this chapter is just one big cringe fest, you know, um, because like we discussed earlier, she's not, she's not made of lace, you know? She's yeah. always, she has always been made of tougher stuff, even if she's been meek in the presence of her brother. Um, she, for her to be in this much misery, and you just feel bad because even after, you know, Drogo comes in and he has his way with her, he immediately falls asleep and it talks about how she's still in too much pain to sleep. Right. And it's just God awful. And so when she's talking about wanting to kill herself out of everything she's endured in her almost 14 years at this point, like, you know, it has to be bad. I mean, it's, it's so easy to just like read it the first or second time through and just be like, Oh, teenagers. But it's like, no, like 
Danny, when you're inside her head and her point of view, she doesn't have dramatic thoughts. Right. She's very, one thing I really, really like about her is she's a very precocious person because when it comes down to it, she is a child still. Mm -hmm. She's a very precocious child and she's pretty, I think she's pretty mature, even if she's inexperienced. So all day she's, she's, she's going through this writing and she's getting the blisters and, and the saddle sores and just aches and pains. And then her husband comes in and I'm, I'm not trying to trigger anyone, but I, I don't imagine that Danny is anything but petite. And if this is an imposing warrior who has literally never lost a battle, that has to, like this, the, 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 the difference in stature alone is just, oh, you know, and she can't sleep afterward. And then she has to turn around and ride all day. It's like, that's not something to just throw away that like, it's not just a throwaway line that she wanted to kill herself. No, it's very traumatic. It's, like, she's going through something very traumatic, and that a lot of people that I see that, like, really, they don't like Daenerys, they've always thought she has had it easy because mm. she had dragons. I'm like, did you read a Game of Thrones? Like, did you just skip everything in a Game of Thrones? <laughs> like, did she had it awful in a Game of Thrones? Like, she was sold to him. Mm-hmm. And while he might come to care about her, she is his property. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not anything but his property. Mm-hmm. And before she was his property, she was Viserys's property. Right. Like she's not able to be her own person. She, she can't make choices. Right. Her choices are already made for her and she has to live with them. Right. And the moment, and even with Viserys, like, people always kind of talk, talk about how, I wouldn't say always, but sometimes there's this perception that Daenerys was weak and then became strong. And I don't think she was ever weak. If you really read the chapters and you really pay attention to like the flashback thoughts that she has, mm-hmm. Danny has always been Danny. It's yeah. just a matter of whether or not she's been free to spread her wings, if you will. Mm-hmm. You to know, me, to me, she's always been strong to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always think about strength as like uh, as like a, a like a warrior like mm-hmm. someone who goes into battle like a shield maiden mm-hmm. but real strength is being able to control yourself like yeah. <laughs> da- Daenerys like Danny I'm sorry this if I was Daenerys, see, I don't have that kind of self-control. <laughs> Viserys, I would have cut his fucking head off right in this chapter. There would have been no other chapters with Viserys in it. Right. <laughs> but I don't have that kind of control that she has. Like, it actually takes sh- real strength to go through the things that she's been through and remain herself. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about quickly. Well, not quickly, because I feel like you can't talk about this quickly, is the dragon dream. So she has a dragon dream again. She had one in the last chapter. Um, So I'll just read it. Yet when she slept that night, she dreamt the dragon dream again. Viserys was not in it this time. 
There was only her and the dragon. Its scales were black as night, wet and slick with blood, her blood, Danny sensed. Its eyes were pools of molten magma, and when it opened its mouth, the flame came roaring out in a hot jet. She could hear it singing to her. She opened her arms to the fire, embraced it, let it swallow her whole, let it cleanse her and temper her and scour her clean. She could feel her flesh sear and blacken and sloth away, could feel her blood boil and turn to steam. And yet there was no pain. She felt strong and new and fierce. And the next day, strangely, she did not seem to hurt quite so much. So the dragon dream, it has, it's, it's a lot. So it's definitely the black dragon to me is definitely Drogon. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's foreshadowing that she will birth dragons. Right. But one of the main points about this dragon dream is that Daenerys draws strength from it. Correct. And a lot of the Mad Queen theories and things like that, they, there's talk of Daenerys fully embracing her Targaryen fire and blood heritage. And most of the talk points to this dream as like Daenerys realizing that the fire, the the dragon, it's all good for her. Like at first it was a scary thing. Like the at first when Viserys was in the dream, it was scary. But now she realizes it as something good for her and she draws strength from it. So mm-hmm. is it, do you feel like it's foreshadowing that in the future um, going forward that she's going to embrace being blood of the dragon a little more? So, so that everybody listening knows Gray and I are on the same page about Daenerys in the sense that that is our girl. <laughs> like, she is yes, queen. Like she's, um, she's definitely one of my favorite characters. But our paths and opinion do diverge a little bit. Um, I'm not full blown. Oh, she's gonna go mad queen sort of thing. I do think there's gonna be a lot more flirtation with the dark side than you might think that there will be for her. I just don't think that this particular dream is about all that Mm -hmm. um i think she i think she might flirt with the dark side i do think that but i just don't think like she's gonna like have this perfect battle and then burn king's landing to the ground for no reason i i I think she's going to lose her temper and accidentally wreck more shit than she means to right and um this particular dream I have things to say about it right now, but I have other things to say about it that I'd rather wait until later on, like toward the end of the chapter, because I do have something to say about it in that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I, I think this dream is foreshadowing, but not necessarily that she's going, <laughs> trying not to quote Tropical Thunder, but like, if you went Targaryen, you never go full Targaryen. Right. Um, but I mean, I think that there's a lot of, I want to say, there's not really a phoenix in A Song of Ice and Fire, but the concept is the same, mm-hmm. you know, to burn something down for something better to be born. Mm-hmm. I think that what triggered this dream was 
subconscious like fight or flight survivalism mm-hmm. and i think it's like we talked about this danny has always been danny danny has always had this inside of her and it's coming to life because she did get to a very serious point where she says you know what i'm going to kill myself mm-hmm. and when i don't want to trigger anybody but i i am going to talk about suicide for about a minute um when people are at the point of suicide where they're either heavily contemplating it or they're actually attempting it oft times um this fight or flight sort of survival instinct might kick in for a lot of people last minute mm-hmm And I think for Daenerys, when she's at that point where she finally decides that she just absolutely cannot go on any longer, something inside of her triggered survival. And for her, that was coming into her own as the dragon. And you see it slowly but steadily in this chapter alone. I mean, and it starts small with her waking up in the morning and not thinking that the idea of writing all day is that bad. Mm Mm-hmm you know. Yeah. Well, I know that, like, just jumping forward a little bit, Illyrio says to Tyrion, like, in A Dance with Dragons, like, the the shelter, or the meek child that sheltered at my manse died on the Dothraki Sea and was reborn um, a real Targaryen. Mm-hmm. So, when I think about this dream, I, like, I like what you're saying with like the fight or flight being triggered, but I also like like it in a more magical sense where whoever the powers that be are in Westeros that are trying to get Daenerys uh, to, to Westeros or in Planetos that are trying to get Daenerys <laughs> to Westeros. I want to feel like they knew she needed this dream or she was like going to die. They knew she needed it because it's it's funny. She got these dreams like at weird times. So she got it right before her wedding and then she got it. And they both seemed prophetic. Like Viserys actually being gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, the, it like, it sounds like she's describing Drogon. So yeah. I, I want to think that it's prophetic and that like these people that are pulling all the strings, these magical people, like they are trying to keep her alive for whatever they want her to do. Right. Right. Well, I mean, either way, we can agree that. <laughs> <laughs> we can agree she took strength from it. That dream yes, changed yes. her. Right, right. The dream definitely changed her because, you know, the Daenerys that we knew before like she's cowering in front of Viserys. Viserys is like pinching her nipples and just being a fucked up individual towards her. Mm-hmm. But in this chapter, like she is coming into being a Khaleesi. Like she's realizing who she is. She's realizing the power that she has herself. And uh she kind of gets Viserys puts Viserys in check. <laughs> Yeah, I I really love reading that just really simple line where she just shoves him away. <laughs> and she's never done anything like that. And it's, you think about it, it is such a natural instinct 
when, <laughs> when anybody is making physical contact in, with us in a way that we do not like or appreciate, all of us are going to shove. But it's just like so sad that her entire life, she's always just taken it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, the trauma is on a whole other level when someone is physically attacking you and you know, you can't even flinch. You have to just take it. And um, <laughs> I had listened to Roy Dotrice read this book or read this chapter a couple times before we did this episode. But mm-hmm. just the way he's like, she had never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's this, I read that line and every time I just end up kind of cheering for her in my head. Cause it's, like you can imagine what's going through her at that moment. Just mm-hmm. it, it's got to be a mix of like, yeah, Siam Queen or Khaleesi, and also oh shit, oh yeah. shit, you know. But I mean, she's she's probably terrified about how he's going to react to this. But fortunately for her, um, she has protection. <laughs> yes. Um, it. So they weren't her blood riders at that time, correct? No, yeah, not okay, at that time. Correct. Because it, it was, because one of the guys ends up being her blood riders, mm-hmm. I believe, yeah. So, I mean, the thing about Danny and Viserys, um, which I don't know if you don't want to talk about Daenerys and the people that she loves. <laughs> no, we can. Okay. Um, later on spoiler alert for anyone who's not past game of thrones for whatever reason um well past after viserys dies there are parts of her that do miss him Mm -hmm. and i do think she mourns in her own way and i know that a lot of people will read that and think that's just so stupid but it's more complicated than all that because she even says she misses the person that he was, mm-hmm. you know, she has enough recollection and memory and to remember when the mother's crown was sold, remember mm-hmm. that exact moment when he just hardened. So I think when, when um, her protection rolls in <laughs> and they're like, okay, Khaleesi, what do you want us to do with him? She, she does feel sorry for him, you know, sorry for him. And I think that's okay. But what I really, really love about the mercy that she gives him is, Hey, just because I let you live and go relatively unscathed doesn't mean that what you just did is going unchecked. Like you're walking motherfucker. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean that the thing I want to touch on this real quick. So I don't don't really like talking about the show, but (laughs) supposed foreshadowing for Daenerys being the Mad Queen was that she did not cry when Viserys died. Uh, uh, mm, mm. Can I? mm. (laughs) Well, bro, he threatened her unborn baby yes one and done deal one of the showrunners did an interview and said that shit was foreshadowing i don't like him then (laughs) right like who cries because their abuser 
that like he was her abuser he wasn't like a brother that that took care of her right and protected her like he was gonna rape her he was right. gonna rape her before her wedding night illyrio had to put guards in front of her door right he's been not just physically abusing her but all the mental and verbal and emotional abuse that comes with it i mean even she's a married woman with with like freaking warriors around her at all times and he's still slipping his hand under her vest and pinching her nipples as some weird form of punishment yes. it's just weird shit it's and, weird shit and i think we should talk about like the dynamic between not really between them but the dynamic of them of viserys mm -hmm. and daenerys mm -hmm. so to me viserys is a very weak person mm -hmm. um he does not adapt to the life on the Dothraki Sea. Like Daenerys, <laughs> Daenerys has the vest on. She has her hair oiled down. Like she has riding leathers on, painted vest, all this kind of stuff. And Daenerys, um, and Viserys is in soiled and, si and stained silks. Right. The whole, okay. So <laughs> I think that George did have a good time when he was writing Viserys in this chapter. Like, I, I think this chapter is really heavy shit, and it's a hard read, but I think that Viserys and himself is kind of like this breath of comedic air. Yeah. Because even, pool. like, yeah, so it talks about how she's riding, and she tells everyone to stop, and she's enjoying the day, and kind of in this passing sort of comment, you read that, like, you can hear Viserys's shrill voice, you know, barking orders at the one person <laughs> in the entire Kalasar, quote unquote, his subject. <laughs> right. It's just such a pathetic scene. And then when he comes out and he's like, he's telling her, now, first of all, I'm going to rabbit trail for a second here. And, and let's talk about some of the um, mental and emotional abuse that he puts her through. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's this very narcissistic tactic to kind of flip-flop with a person mm -hmm. because I believe it's within this chapter if not it's multiple chapters he tells her things like you're just a horse lord slut and he mm -hmm. tells her a couple chapters ago like yo I'm going to let a bunch of men come in and gang rape you because and I want horses too yeah, and they're and they're animals because I want a crown and that basically says like you are nothing you're not even a human being to me yeah but you know she dresses up like she she dresses for the occasion mm -hmm. you know she acclimates herself and he's like look at you have you forgotten who you are and it's like oh so now she's a Targaryen right oh so now she's a princess and it's just that sort of like narcissistic abuse where no matter what you're doing you're gonna get penalized for it in some sense mm -hmm. so i mean like he's rolling in with that but i mean like he's gonna sit there and be like look at you look at you and and i'm picturing him as a hot mess yeah she, daenerys says it daenerys says he was a pitiful thing right <laughs> he, he had always been a pitiful thing why, right. has, she, why has she never seen it before <laughs> And it's just, <laughs> everything he does with the exception of, you know, when he's pinching her and calling her a slut, like, it, like it, he's just supposed to look like a damn fool. And I think you're supposed to kind of chuckle at it, mm -hmm. you know, because 
she's getting stronger. And so the way you view the chapter with her is supposed to get like the, the heavier subjects are supposed to get lighter with her. Like it's so like you read this chapter and immediately you're wondering why was Viserys ever imposing to her mm-hmm. at any point? Because she's coming into her own. Like yeah. that, like I said, that shove was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, queen. Yes, queen. Yes, Khaleesi. So basically Daenerys makes him walk. She's like, take his horse <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> let, let my brother walk behind us back to the Kalasar. Let everyone see him as he is. <laughs> and he's, like, <laughs> he's like, no, hit her, Mormont, hurt her. Your king commands it. Kill these Dothraki dogs and teach her. And I'm just like, you want Jorah Mormont to kill all of the Dothraki? <laughs> like he's crazy, right? <laughs> he's just. Fine. He's just super entitled and I'm not sure entitled is a good word for it. And I'm not saying like, oh, this is the part where I feel sorry for him. I'm just saying whatever the word is for it, it's not coming to the top of my mind. Um, He definitely thinks more highly of himself Mm -hmm. than where his actual position sits. And I think parts of that might be his own version of a survival tactic. It's just the wrong survival tactic. Um, but it's just funny because he's just so, it, his, his entitlement robs from all fucking sense. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's always been a fool. Like even when, go ahead. It's illusions of grandeur. grandeur. Oh yeah. And that's <laughs> definitely, he's definitely his father's son in that sense. Cause if you remember, <laughs> cause if you remember, Eris was like, I'm going to build, I'm going to build a oasis city in the desert right. and uh, you, a you know, wall, like, a wall around, what was it? A seven, another wall. He was going to build another wall. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was going to make like it white marble or something. Yeah. Water, bring a water fountain, something to Dorn to do with water. See, now we look like damn fools. Like we never even read the, okay. <laughs> We swear we read them. Um, but no, it's just funny because, like, Viserys has never had sense. Like, even when he's calm and collected, he just doesn't, like, I don't recall at any point in Danny's memories or her point of view chapters, Viserys never has any sort of combat training or sword training. Like, I don't think he's martial in any way, but it always talks about how he borrowed this sword and he's constantly putting his hand on the... He just doesn't use sense. So especially, like... And that's when he's calm and collected. He's talking about, yeah, this sword. Um, But no, he's just seething, seething. And like you said, he honestly thinks that Jorah is going to take on an entire fucking Colossar because his sister pushed him. Yeah. You know, it's just... <laughs> and, and, like, to take it, like, a step further when we talk about, like, Targaryen madness and all of that stuff, all the time that I've seen it, like, it's it's been, like, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. Like, with Viserys, you know he's crazy. Sir Barristan said that he was his father's son, like, mm-hmm. like when he was a kid. Um with Magor the Cruel, you have, like, from childhood, 
childbirth. <laughs> like he killed, would he kill a stable boy like at four or five or maimed him or something like that? And then like- I think that was the horse as well. Yeah, he killed the horse and then did maim the stable boy, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you have like Aryan Bright Flame. Like he was always cruel. Mm-hmm. And then, then um, what's the other one? Uh, Baylor the Blessed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Always crazy. Like, so, and the Mad King, too. Like, the Mad King got worse. Like, he progressively got worse. But he was always fucked up, too, in my opinion. Correct. Oh, yeah. And it's so weird. Like, George is, (laughs) he's, he's an artist the way that he marries fantasy and real world like sort of the sort of realism mm-hmm. you know like he somehow makes your fantasy as realistic as possible because the targaryens clearly have this otherworldliness to them mm-hmm. you know it's it's just kind of a whisper of it and i know people kind of heavily debate back and forth about whether or not you have to be a valyrian to ride a dragon mm-hmm. um red light on that nettles mm-hmm. is probably of valyrian descent i don't want to hear anyone say <laughs> that nettles is proof that you don't have to be target green light um <laughs> no she can't <laughs> she, you don't know her ancestry so you can't say right. she's proof right like like i hate it when people say it's proof like i'm, I'm sorry I, I had to stop everything during this episode and just talk <laughs> about how much the whole nettles thing bugs me um I'm not saying she was definitely of Valyrian descent. I'm just saying there's no proof either way. Anyway, but the odds I, are the odds are that she is mm-hmm. of Valyrian descent. Right. Now, George has gone out of his way though to make that shit questionable, Obscure. like with the yeah. fire magic and fire witch stuff and the burned men in the veil. Like here's he, what really bugs me, and I think it's because I mixed and I. I'm more sensitive to this and I pick up on it a lot quicker than other people. I think a huge issue with the whole nettles discourse is people can't fathom the idea of somebody being mixed. Like, Oh yeah. Well, they the better, idea. they should read about the black pearl of Bravos and right. her kids. <laughs> right. It's like we are in 2020 mixed kits are everywhere and people still can't freaking compute that just because you have a fair colored parent, doesn't mean that you can't have any melanin right you know it's just blows my mind but anyway rabbit trail aside (laughs) i just had to get that that out because sometimes like it's not even when i read tweets it's just so like i become a hot mess like i will be laying in bed falling asleep and i will think about nettles and i can feel my nostrils flaring <laughs> people are like she's proof i'm like um, she's probably a mixed queen um she's she's not proof she's she's some ambiguity and even more ambiguity comes in when we know like that there are people that we know have valyrian blood that can't ride a dragon right so right like it's a for me it's a mix of things and has nothing to do with her being mixed <laughs> right so but the targaryens have this like kind of whisper of otherworldliness to mm-hmm. them like clearly there's something 
magical about them and it's so faint and I'm just going to repeat what everybody else has said about why George R. R. Martin's usage of fantasy works because he's so sparing with it yeah. um, but at the same time he's really realistic when the Targaryens when it comes down to the fact that they are inbred mm-hmm. they're fucking inbred and I think that's where you get a lot of unfortunate birth defects and stillborns and kids that you know, babies that just don't make it. Um, and mental issues. And mental issues. I, I think that is the quote-unquote madness of the Targaryens. I think that's both nurture and nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, when you have so many crazies in the family, even if it's something really harmless, like, which one was it that would dance around the Red Keep naked and dress up his pet monkey and his dead son? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I forget. <laughs> and, and I think of, he, it was one of Jahari's one. I think it was. It was race. See, this is what happens when you don't well, read. The first of all, for a couple first, years. <laughs> first of all, I can't keep up with all of the Targaryens and their names. So, so I, I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Right, like I think of the Targaryens in phases. Kind of like the the Marvel cinematic universe, <laughs> as far as like when they were in power, and I just think of this dude as like phase three. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> you know what? It doesn't help that all of their names—they're either that they, like they had the same names. Like, how many Aegons are there? How many Aemons are there? Like, Rhaenys, Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's so much to keep up with and then there's like two different rainies and but the thing is i used to be able to keep up with this but this is back when i was like reading all things song of ice and fire at least once a week but i think the show exhausted me (laughs) i mean after after fire and blood came out like more targaryens were added into the mix fire and blood hasn't been out that long it's like where'd you come from (laughs) just out of the woodwork but no i remember this like i I get these mental images in my head this like absolute headcanon so i can't for the life of me remember his name i just think of him like doing the helicopter dick around (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) with this like with this dressed up monkey and tote, they might be two different people. I already know someone's going to weigh so in. They'll let us, like, yeah, they'll let us know in the comments. Yes. <laughs> Please tell me who, which Targaryen was helicopter dick. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just, that's the dancing I imagine. But I mean, they're, they're crazy. They're yeah. fucking crazy. And it's just so normal for them that they're crazy so i think there's a certain element of it that's might be a bit hereditary and in a fantasy series like there's room for that you don't have to debate is astrology real in a fantasy series um and and, and another part of that is you know just just what's around you your environment like if you are so used to having so many freaking crazies in your family mm-hmm. you know we don't when we desensitize ourselves to an environment, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot that's holding us back from becoming a product of that environment. Yeah. And the thing about Viserys is 
you know, talked about how his mother tried to shield him the best she could from Aries's craziness, but it never talked about whether or not she succeeded in that. I heavily doubt she succeeded in that. Yeah, she couldn't even shield herself right. from his craze. Like, she was his victim as well. Right. So Viserys, I mean, I remember things, certain things in detail from when I was seven years old. You know, so he grew up around Aries. So maybe there are parts of that that's hereditary that he turned out so much like Aries. And maybe other parts of, of that is not only did he have exposure to, in a nurture way, take on elements of Aries' personality, but it definitely became exasperated through trauma throughout the years. Yeah, you know, I mean, oh, go ahead. And not to be like devil's advocate here, but Viserys had a lot of trauma. He blames Daenerys for the death of their mother, which totally isn't her fault, but mm-hmm. he does blame her for the death of his mother. He lost his mother. He lost his father. Like he's been on the run and he's been responsible for his sister and mm-hmm. he has been abusive. He did take care of her. He did. He kept her alive. He did. But he didn't keep her alive because he gave a fuck about her. Right. He kept her alive because she was his ticket. She was his ticket to an army. I, I think another part of that that's definitely not praising him for being a good big brother. I think another part of that too is um, she's a semblance of home to him. Mm-hmm. So it. Uh, and they were supposed to marry. Like Viserys and Daenerys were supposed to marry. God, that would have been awful. Um, we had talked about before we started recording how there's always room for two truths when you're reading Song of Ice and Fire. You know, um, the truth is Viserys, you know, the first truth, Viserys is a horrible person and he's off his goddamn rocker. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got that Targaryen madness and keeping Daenerys alive had an element of extreme selfishness to it. And you can also leave room for the truth that Viserys is a very traumatized soul that did not just wake up the way that he is, was one. He, he didn't just wake up the way that he is right. one morning magically, like everything that happened to him led him down that road to craziness. That sentence did not make sense. Um, but everything that happened to him has contributed to make him the insufferable person that he is. So, I mean, even in the real world, when you go about your dealings with people, you can make room for the fact that people don't just wake up horrible people one morning, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you have to make room in your heart for those people in the sense of letting them in to abuse you, you know? And I think Danny does such a good job of this when she's like, God, he's such a pitiful thing. Yeah. You're walking. (laughs) Yeah. And she, she realizes that he would be a horrible king. Oh yeah. She knows it. She's like, um, he would not be a very good king, would he? And Jorah said, there have been worse, but not many. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, he would. And and he kind of gets, like, this is kind of where Daenerys's wheels kind of start turning mm-hmm. as far as home. So 
when we first meet Daenerys and throughout her chapters, she dreams of this house with the red door. And when she asks Jorah, you know, what he prays for, he says home. And Daenerys says basically that she dreams of home too. But the way she said, she says, I pray for home too. She told him believing it. So is she saying that she's not praying for home? Um, I think it's just, she doesn't think she'll ever get there. I think it's one of those things where you say it over and over that you don't like, and you don't even really know what it means. No different than not to get political on here, but you know, when little kids say the pledge of allegiance in school, they don't know what they're saying. They just know to say it, Mm -hmm. you know, and for her, I don't think she has truly stopped to think about what she's been saying all of these years until that moment. Yeah. So she tells him, so she tells him that she prays for home too. And he says to look around you then Khaleesi, like you're already home. And she said, it was not the plains Danny saw then. It was King's Landing and the great red keep that Aegon the Conqueror had built. It was Dragonstone where she had been born. In her mind's eye, they burned with a thousand lights, a fire blazing in every window. In her mind's eye, all the doors were red. So to me, the house with the red door part of Daenerys's story is about being it's not even about going back to the house with the red door but it's about being home Mm -hmm. it's being somewhere that is home because she's never had that Mm -hmm. she's always been like in what in her mind or in Viserys's mind like one foot behind the just one foot in front of the assassins that are coming to kill her and begging on the streets and you know, all of that stuff. So when she's like, a lot of people like to say, well, Daenerys is, she's hungry for the throne. She, she only cares about the throne. And it's really not that she just cares about the throne. She wants home. She wants to go home. She wants to go to the place that her family built, her family that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And the only way for her to be able to do that is to take the throne. Right. I think. I I guess I never quite thought of it exactly the way that you said, but now that you say it, it makes a lot more sense to me, especially, you know, um, the house with the red door, as far as my recollection serves me, it's the only time she's ever felt carefree and safe and happy and safe. And, you know, when it talks about how they had to leave that house and um, the door closed on them forever, I can't think of a single time after that she's been safe. I mean, yeah. even even when she got to a point where she um, liked being with the Dothraki and she liked being with Drogo, there was a certain element to it where you don't really think inside of her head and she has this thought of like, man, I feel safe, man, I feel content. You know, like, um, one thing that when, when you mentioned the red door, (laughs) I really hate it when people, 
I want to be careful about this because I know that one of the people that uses this in their theory is someone that I absolutely adore, even though we look like we're on enemies. I already we know what you're going to say. <laughs> like, I already know what you're talking about, and I already kind of probably know what you're going to say. Let's just out him. No. Um, <laughs> no. So, so there's an individual that I absolutely adore. Um, he is like my brother, even though we pretend to be bitter enemies on the Twitter timeline. But I do know that um, I believe it's him, which is why he shall go unnamed. Um, had talked about um, in Danny's mind, you know, all the doors were read, that particular quote. Um, in the fire blazing in every window. Right. <laughs> it, it talks about her lighting up King's Landing. Yeah, no. I so this is this is where you and I might disagree a bit. I do think she wrecks King's Landing, but I don't think it's for the same under the same circumstances that other people think that it is. I don't think she just loses her temper like in the show and she's like, you know what, I'm gonna burn it all down. I think it's accidental. I think that she gets really, really pissed off about something and it makes her sloppy. And in getting sloppy, she accidentally nukes the place that she's been fighting for mm -hmm. all the time. Well, no, I kind of agree with that. Like, I agree with the part. Like, I actually think she's going to pull a Heron Hall on, red, on the Red Keep and possibly accidentally light up the wildfire right. and fuck a whole lot of people up. I just don't agree with the way that it was done in season. Like, I don't think she will just like execute this perfect battle plan, sit on top of the building, bells ring, and then she just fuck a whole bunch of people. Up. Like, I just don't buy that shit. <laughs> right. But, but I don't think that this quote is foreshadowing that. Like, because, right. and, I, I, and, I, and I say that because, like, when this is pretty early when George was still following that outline. What right. else? So D Danny was supposed to live in that outline. So I can't see her living after killing like all those people. So here's my, <laughs> I know you joked you were going to try to draw a crazy theory out of me. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, I don't, quite know the mechanics of it the nice thing about it is it's not my responsibility to come up with the exact mechanics of how this will happen but I do believe there's a good chance in my mind that Danny won't survive the series um, but I think that instead of her being murdered by the only man that she's ever loved um <laughs> rather than that whole um absolute fuckery from season eight i think that she kind of sacrifices herself in a way mm -hmm. and i think there's a good chance that she goes out on dragon back her and drogon go out together and i think that as she's about to collide with whatever i think she's going the last image that she's going to see is a red door in my mind. That's my little theory. I don't know the mechanics of it. I don't have to. It's just... I just got chills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I wouldn't be mad at that. Like, I wouldn't be mad. Like, 
People think like, oh, you're just a Daenerys stan. You're just mad because Daenerys is ending. Well, first of all, you're fucking right. I'm mad about Daenerys' ending. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I am. I'm mad about it. But, and it's not because she died. It's not because she lit up King's Landing. It's the way that it happened. It's the way that she did it. And then it's the way that she died. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, Jon Snow kills her. Jon Snow lures, like Jon Snow, this morally honorable person, lures his lover into a sense of comfort and stabs her. That her, fucked up. Then her dragon says, you know what? I can't cool. kill I can't <laughs> kill another main character today. So right. It's like just gonna, gonna light the throne on fire. Yeah. And then the Dothraki, like their custom is to like avenge their fucking call when when they die. Like they die with their call. Mm-hmm. They, they only stay alive long enough to avenge their call. So the Dothraki was just like, uh, gonna get on my horse and go back to Essos. And then Grey Worm is just like Oh, okay, then. Right, that's the part that, see, I had thought in the split, because here's the deal, not that it took, it didn't take a profit to see this, but I mean, the moment John walked in, I was like, he's going to kill her, because like we discussed, season A was sloppy, okay? Like, that dagger on his hip was sticking out a little, (laughs) it was sticking out a little more um, pointedly than normal, um it was like a an erection of daggers sticking out of his lip. It, it's like they were trying to hint at you from the get but then when he was kissing her i'm like okay he's gonna do it and i figured he's going to die as well and i think he knows this so when drogon came in i was like yep that's the end of it but instead drogon was like mm. oh shit mm. this is cool um <laughs> right you know, like, i'm just gonna Flame this throne, and then I'm gonna take her with me and hide the fucking body for you. (laughs) (laughs) I just did an evil villain laugh. (laughs) Seriously, like that's why I'm mad. So, like, if Daenerys dies, and it and it's executed good, and it fits who she is, right? and, And it's not like some if I kill this woman, the world will be saved type of shit. I totally. 100% 100% get it. I think that, you know, um, for me, if there is any sort of foreshadow for her fucking shit up for a period of time, it would be her chapter when she's lost in the Dothraki Sea and mm-hmm. dance. Because um, she's, <laughs> she's going through it. Um, and if the way I read it, I think she's having a miscarriage mm-hmm. um which will tie into a bit what i have to say about her dragon dream toward the end of the chapter when we discuss that um it does because do, doesn't didn't doesn't um viserys tells her i would have used fire and blood or i would have showed them our house words or something i don't have the exact quote but that and also the like to me the craziest not not even crazy but the things that she did that kind of have her going towards the darker side mm-hmm. was killing the um the 
the masters in marine mm-hmm. like the was it 53 163 uh, uh-huh. yeah something? yeah 163 masters 53 <laughs> and, and and like but after she did it she did it because she was really angry right. but after she did it like she felt remorse correct and that's the thing that a lot of people like dismiss with that part with that uh killing the masters like for first of all for me like a slaver i don't have no fucking pity for no slaver like i just don't so i would probably did the same fucking thing like i don't if i was her I'm sorry. Don't ever give me three fucking dragons because a lot of shit would be burnt down. <laughs> like, right. and, and that's the thing about Daenerys too. It's like people need to stop and realize. <clears throat> okay. Are you guys listening very carefully? <laughs> She's a kid. She is. She's a kid. Okay. Most adults don't have emotional regulation and that's after their brain fully develops. All right. Kids, especially teenagers, don't have that same emotional regulation. So by Dance of Dragons, she's 16. When I was 16, do you know how many <laughs> do you know how many fist fights I got into? And do you same. know how frequently, you know, and it's like as an adult, I can regulate that shit a little more properly. As an adult, I don't think to myself as often when I'm angry, oh, I want to hit you or I want to bash your face into something. Mm-hmm. I regulate that shit out. You know, 16-year-olds aren't as capable, especially not traumatized 16-year-olds. And it doesn't matter how much Daenerys is sitting pretty and she's just this powerhouse not. She's still traumatized. <laughs> that trauma is still there. So I think Daenerys, like, she... It's like you said, with the masters, she goes a little bit dark and then she has this moment where she's like, okay, well, I may have overreacted. But I Um, did it for the children. It was Yeah, you know, and I think it was, um, she had someone tortured. She had the brazen, the, gosh, skizdak stuff. You know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I should have reread these books again. But those names, but those names are hard. Those um, yeah. those Miranese names, right? And it's like you know, I don't feel culturally insensitive because it's a made up culture anyway. But um, like when her, she was talking to the shave pate about three. Um, three freed slaves. One of them happened to be a harp player and they had a wine cellar that they were questioning regarding these three murders that were committed by the sons of the harpy. And, you know, at first she's like, you know, question, question him sweetly. But after hearing that one of the um, victims, one of the three victims was a harp player, she tells him, you know, I've, I've, I've changed my mind question him sharply he'll get the dragon's mercy um danny is capable of quite the temper she's very much proven she's capable of violence um but she always comes to a point where she i don't want to say always but but she does she she has her tender and merciful moments and i i think 
you lack nuance when you think that she's just going to go full dark, yeah. you know, stay there in the pitch black darkness. Um, I, I think that she's learning and she's growing as a person mm-hmm. and yeah, she has her moments where she goes hard. So I think as the series progresses where she's at right now, where we left her off, she's about to go hard in yeah. the way that Danny goes hard. However, I do think she'll get to a point where she reels it back because a couple different reasons, because it's consistent to her character. It's consistent Mm -hmm. to her arc. And also at some point she is going to meet John. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that John is going to be very, very different by the time we see him alive again. Very. And that depends on your version of, you know, your take on the word alive. I think that Danny is definitely his type, but I don't think that he'll be so feral and so half dead that he's going to look at this mass murderer woman and get an undead stiffy. You know, like I think there's got to be quite a few redeemable qualities to her still for John to meet her and fall in love with her and I'm sure they'll still butt heads about things yeah um but I mean she's not done yet and even if Danny goes dark I just think that by the time her arc ends she's going to do something very selfless and very sacrificial because I think it's so stupid to take the same route that the show did and build up a song of ice and fire only for in the end the ice and the fire to do these really stupid out of character heinous things yeah for like <laughs> really stupid <laughs> yeah for like no reason that ties into the rest of the story well i think i honestly think that now this is me doing the mathematics of game of thrones season eight in my head <laughs> but I, I honestly think like when i look back on game of thrones as a whole that like the books are a song of ice and fire and the show was a game of thrones so the show's main focus was the actual throne and who sits on it and i feel like they filled in a lot of other blanks their self um and i you say really, that really really had to do some mental gymnastics to sleep at night about this didn't you yeah yeah <laughs> like seriously daenerys is is my like if i i I watch a lot of series. I read a lot of books. She, to me, is like the most iconic character mm-hmm. of like the decade, of the decade that I'm in right now. Right. Like my life, she's the most iconic character that I've ever, and, and I relate to her in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. I would have done worse than her in a yeah. lot of situations. So I'm right. like, okay. You know? Like, could you imagine like the restraint that she has? Could you imagine Robert Baratheon with the dragon? Oh, the whole world would be nuked. <laughs> except for except for except for women with really big, nice titties. Except and for Bessie. Except for Bessie and her tits. Um, <laughs> that's all that would be left in the world is robert baratheon and his dragon <laughs> and girls with tits just oh like um what's his name said ian mcshane <laughs> just tits and dragons that's it 
yeah. all that's left. That's but, I mean, Baratheon's world. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even though it was sloppy and it was rushed and clearly the writers just decided to like take an absolute shit on her character, like calling her what her satanic majesty. I don't know what the fuck. It, okay. Anyway, but even then, because you, because I love Daenerys so much and I don't think you should have to love Daenerys to see this, you can still see why she got to where she was. I think it's just so stupid that they wrote in all that extra that she would get to that point. Um, when she, <laughs> so <laughs> the night that um, she, they aired the episode, The Bells, where she destroyed King's Landing. Mm -hmm. I was having one of the absolute worst nights of my entire life. And I do not say that lightly. So I was feeling what she was feeling mm -hmm. because I had personally lost a lot. Not quite in that same dramatic fashion that Daenerys was losing things. But I remember um, having a certain conversation with someone in my life and just being absolutely raw and watching Game of Thrones right afterwards. And I remember seeing Daenerys and Drogon perked up on that tap perched on the tower. And every single week leading up to that episode, I was like, I hope she doesn't do it. I hope she doesn't do it. I hope she doesn't do it. But in that moment when her lip curled, I remember thinking, do it <laughs> well you know? no i was the same fucking way like yeah. i i when they killed miss and miss when they uh. killed miss Sanday, <sighs> i was like i won't give a fuck if she burns king's landing to the ground like i don't care and you knew it was gonna happen because miss sunday's last words were dracaris so i'm like ah yeah it's happening <laughs> it was just like it was just the way that she, the way that it, like, to me, she had won. She mm -hmm. had won. She had won. And then, like, okay, you want to go kill Cersei, burn the Red Keep up, go fly to right to the Red Keep and burn that shit up. But, bro, just to, like, see her just mowing down civilians, and, and it was, like, for 20 minutes. Yeah. So, okay, here's how I had to learn to sleep at night. Um <laughs> I think that it did kind of uh, make no mistake. I think that the development of her character in season eight was shit. I'm just trying to sleep at night. Okay. <laughs> I think it did kind of build up to her, her mindset that no matter what she does, they're never going to love her. Mm -hmm. So I think she finally won. The bells are ringing. And I don't think the bells triggered her. You know, I've seen so much talk about how people were like, and then she got triggered by bells. Mm -hmm. No, she did not. She got up there. She came to a realization that she just won. After all this fighting and all this waiting and all the shit that she's been through in the show alone. And she still left feeling really empty. Mm -hmm. and it cost her a shit ton and I think she snapped mm -hmm. I think she realized you know what they're not going to love me they're always going to fear me I 
who I, I think she realized, even though the show doesn't quote this, but I think she realized she's never going to be able to plant trees mm-hmm. in that moment. And she was, she was traumatized and she was grieving and grief does weird shit to people. Mm-hmm. And she happened to be sitting on the back of a weapon of mass destruction. So she may or may not have overreacted a little. Um, by committing mass murder. Um, But I mean, to me, it makes sense that she would do that. I just hate that they took her character in that direction because it's so contrary to everything that, like, remember season seven, that really dumb episode where they were north of the wall? The only redeemable part about that episode, maybe even the whole season, was when, oh God, I get goosebumps. See, I wish you could see me. When she came in with her dragons and they played her theme yep. while she's just tearing I just it got up. the chills. I just got the chills. Dude, the stubbly hair on my legs that I need to shave just like stood on end. Um, but I mean like when she came in and they're playing that that epic theme of hers and you're just like, this is what she was born to. Yes, this is what everything has been leading up to and this is just but a taste of what the finale is going to be and what Daenerys is going to do what she was born for and then they pulled that shit that they did in season 8 and that's what makes me so incredibly furious Mm-hmm. yeah I mean well I'm going to fuck your sleep up a little bit <laughs> okay it's I'm, sorry. Night anyway, so. I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> so the way Amelia Clark, the actress that plays Daenerys, described it was mm-hmm. kind of what you said. Like, it was just grief and it was pain. And doing that made her feel better, even if it was just for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then after that interview, HBO put out a fucking video that said the Mad Queen with Daenerys. And it had like all of these the video was titled the mad queen (laughs) and it got so that video got so much hate that they have privated that video now (laughs) well i mean that's the thing too it's like you can don't get me wrong when you do something that's wrong you are wrong you're dead wrong Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're free from consequences that doesn't mean that it was okay however there's a difference between Daenerys being mad, like, like they're literally like angry, like being yeah. angry, and no, then no. being and then being crazy, right? Because they mean mean mad by insane, and Mad Queen is clearly a play off of the Mad King. No, Ares was fucking crazy for years, mm-hmm. almost the like pretty much the bulk of his life. We'll just, we'll just entertain the idea that he was okay until summer hall we'll just say that's when it all started when he was like 15 years old but even then what how old was he when he died like 40s yeah 40s the majority of his life he was fucking insane Mm -hmm. and that was before he snapped you know he was cruel he was vindictive he was a rapist he got thrills off of hurting people he would get sexually aroused by hurting people that's a big point too like right she's never killed anyone 
and been like, ooh, this made me come. Like, she's never well, been. Like, okay, okay. Not in the books. There was that brief moment in season five. She burned some of her prisoners that were suspected of being harpy sons. And she got a look on her face. And, you know, I love my girl Daenerys, but I get the feeling that her nipples stiffened a little in that moment. Yeah, but that's like... A little bit. But that's, that's the only time. That's D&D fan fiction. That's season five. Did you bring up season five? It was one time. Uh, now um, I can't sleep tonight. <laughs> so, so she, you know, but I mean, like, that's not who she is as a person. To no, con- Like, not. Daenerys snapped and did something vicious as a response as an immediate response to a lot of her grief. I mean, did I she ever, that. she never mourned Miri Mazdor, did she? Like, she never felt bad for burning her ass up, did she? No, she killed her fucking kid. Right. No, I'm, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree. No. But I'm saying, you know? like, I was wondering if she ever had a moment where she was like, oh, I had to kill that lady. <laughs> D- would you? I can't recall it. No. I, 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 I like to think of myself as a, as much as like I'm an assertive person and as much as I do not put up with people's bullshit when it comes to their well-being, I am a softie. Right. I want you to be well, just do it the fuck over there. Don't do it over here. Just be well <laughs> over there. Like I, as much as like, I don't go out of my way to harm people. I do wish even people who irritate the shit out of me and who I don't like, I wish them well. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but if somebody killed my unborn child inside of me because they were mad at something that my husband did, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know that I wouldn't deeply enjoy burning them alive. I would enjoy it. <laughs> like, you know? I know I would. I know I would. Right. So it's like, you have to t- like put yourself in somebody else's sh- shoes Like, I'm not saying when you read these books, you have to think about X, Y, Z. I'm saying if you don't stop to put yourself in these characters' shoes, I don't understand why you're reading the books. Yeah. And and to be fair, like, Daenerys has mourned everyone. Like, she mourned called Drogo. She mourned mourned Viserys. Right. She even... after like she feels remorse after she does things even the slavers she felt remorse afterwards Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of her yes she has a very fiery dragon side of her but she's also very merciful Mm -hmm. and that tends to get overshadowed just because she has dragons but when you're talking about Daenerys you're to me you're talking about like a cosmic figure you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. when when a song of ice and fire is over a hundred years from now daenerys will be talked about like a god right right it's so funny because even i know so i mean in in my personal life off of twitter i don't really know anyone that reads the books like my dad my dad reads up on theories because he doesn't actually read the books, but he's super familiar with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my dad watches your YouTube videos. <laughs> like, he likes to watch. <laughs> Shout out to Zaddy. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Please ignore um, vulgar statements I might have made previously <laughs> in this. Sorry, Dad. Um, 
but no, I, other than my dad, and I really love to discuss Song of Ice and Fire with him, I don't know anybody that reads the books. They all watch the show, mm-hmm. you know, and like, it's, a, and you're not putting all that nuance into it, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. it's not really like, it's someone else's job to do that for you, yeah. <laughs> you know? You're not, in, you're not actually in the characters' minds. Right, and, and I don't understand how you're going to... I'm not gatekeeping who reads the books. I'm simply saying, like, I don't get it. I don't know. Because, like, if you care enough to read these books and take to Twitter and argue with a bunch of strangers about it, and in some cases, Stan, you'd think that you would put a few calories and a little bit of effort into trying to empathize and put yourself in these characters' shoes. Yeah, definitely. and it blows my mind how many people can't seem to do that for Daenerys. Mm-hmm. And I hate to pull the typical, if you hate so-and-so, you hate women. Mm-hmm. I think that if you dislike Daenerys for certain reasons, then you probably hate women. Okay. I have said this a thousand fucking times. <laughs> if you like Stannis, and you dislike Daenerys. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand it. They're so much alike. But Daenerys has even better qualities. Right. Like, I, I had to... I did an episode with Quinn and Brendan B. Fish where we talked about Stannis. And I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm not going to lie. Brent, I need a moment. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan B. Fish, he could convince you to like buy water when you own an ocean or some shit <laughs> because he really did make me go back and look at Stannis and mm-hmm. the only real beef I have with Stannis is the way he abandoned Robert but like I get it mm-hmm. also when it comes to Stannis like I'm a middle child mm. so like I get it but at the same time the only beef I have with Stannis is that he killed Courtney Penrose and he didn't have to, and it was very dishonorable, and he's, like, very much a hypocrite. Yeah. But I do see the good qualities of him. So, like, I don't love him. I don't stand him, but I get why people do. I just don't get why those same people don't like Daenerys. Right. I admittedly, I've always loved her in the show, but I went through a time, probably up until about three years ago, where I didn't really enjoy Daenerys chapters as much. They kind of got on my nerves, and it was a stupid-ass petty reason. Like, always dreaming of Dario's dick? No, it wasn't even that. (laughs) It was the word nibble in her chapters. Oh, really? Like, when it talked about her nibbling on food, I don't know why, but it would just, like, send me into a fucking... (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, so fucking petty. Don't say nibble around Alicia, guys. (laughs) You know, when it talks about certain females nibbling on something and maybe it's just because like my entire life I've always eaten like a feral child Mm -hmm. like why would you just like throw that shit in your mouth and swallow it whole why would you nibble on that per per, uh, what is it permissive I can't get it the fuck out (laughs) the permission slip fruit yeah Um, that that one permission we're both so stupid tonight (laughs) (laughs) I should not have smoked that (laughs) 
Maybe, maybe you don't like Daenerys for certain reasons, and you also don't like Stannis. And cool, I mean, at least you can keep the same standards going. But at the same time, like, I feel like if Daenerys had less power and she was doing some of the things that she's doing, and one could argue she probably wouldn't be doing XYZ if she didn't have power. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that as a whole, even on a subconscious level, the world hates a powerful woman. Mm-hmm. And sure. that can be a lot of the beef that people have with Danny. Yeah, some people have moral, like, they think she's a morally ambiguous character. And to an extent, I think she is, mm-hmm. because they all are. But I, I think she's a good person that makes mistakes. And it's not like she has a whole lot of sound boards mm-hmm. or sounding boards to keep her on the straight and narrow. I think right now her only <laughs> absolute moral compass is Paris and Selmy, and he's not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. Yeah. I, well, for me with Daenerys, I didn't always like her as much as I do. Like, I've always liked her, mm-hmm. but she wasn't my favorite. Like, book character i always gravitated towards aria and jamie just Mm -hmm. because they were so damaged Mm -hmm. and i don't know i'm fucked up i always gravitate towards the bastards and the broken shit um (laughs) (laughs) like Tyrion. but i i like two years ago no longer than that probably three years ago i read only Daenerys chapters straight through. Mm-hmm. Um, only Daenerys POVs. And I was just could see her coming into being a woman. And I could see like the things that she was drawing strength from and just how strong she was before she had dragons. And just for me, she got me through a lot of hard times i know she's not a real fucking person but still like george has humanized her and all of these characters so well that you can relate to them in certain situations even if it's like bare minimum relation like you can still relate to them so i've always thought that her character was like a little cliche Mm -hmm. um daenerys like lost dragon lost dragon lord comes back home with dragons takes over the world long lost princess you know it's like her it's tropey but at the same time it's like flipped upside down (laughs) because Mm -hmm. she does manage to like she does have this hard road in a game of thrones and then she does manage to hatch these dragons like she loses her husband she loses her brother she loses her child and then like you see her just learning as she goes and like just going through life i don't know how to explain it just believing in herself right she doesn't believe in eyes over prophecy and she does like like stannis like stannis um, gray are we about to quote season seven? No. I know what you're talking about. I believe in myself. <laughs> no. no. Like to riff off of what you were saying and kind of calling back to what we were ranting about over and over. I think because she's so powerful, 
people forget that she is damaged. Very. It's easy for us to root for Arya and remember that she's damaged because Arya's kind of sometimes literally rolling around in the mud, mm-hmm. you know, like really, really roughing it where Daenerys, like I said, she's kind of a powerhouse. Yeah, she's, she's putting on her best fucking face and going out and handling the day. And- right. And she's a strong woman. And just because she's like, it's like people forget that she is traumatized and she is damaged because she's powerful and she doesn't sit around all day and just weep. And I'm not bashing on any of the female characters who have spent quite a few of their chapters weeping because I enjoy those chapters as well. Mm-hmm. But that's just not who Daenerys is. Daenerys doesn't give herself that option. And I want to just say the if I look back I'm lost oh, like I baby. have taken so much from that quote like that Same. like I'm about to get that shit tattooed on me <laughs> like that. but not the tattoo part I mean maybe one day tattoos are addicting but I mean, like I in certain things that have happened in my life I find myself thinking of that quote quite a bit um yeah, Daenerys is just, for a lot of us women, a very relatable person. And I think we have a lot of emotional investment wrapped up in what she does next. Yes. Because so many of ourselves find ourselves identifying with her. Um, you had talked about how you relate to Daenerys quite a bit in your life. Mm-hmm. I do as well. I wouldn't, you know, how that trend on Twitter was going around where you post four pictures of characters you relate to the most um mm-hmm. i wouldn't say daenerys makes that top four you know <laughs> <laughs> shout out to yennefer vengerberg um, oh yes queen <laughs> yes <laughs> um, but i mean it's quite a bit of her struggles in her life and even just thoughts that she has um that has been me throughout my life. And maybe that's why I go so hard in defending her and trying to justify even the dumb shit she does. But she she is, I know there will be, because I've had this conversation with certain females, I know there will be females out there that are like, don't tie me into this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like I relate to her. And that's valid. That's very, very valid. Yeah, I feel that way about Sansa. Right, right. Don't tie me into any of that shit. (laughs) But I mean, there do exist a good surge of females, not surge, but there do exist an entire onslaught. That's not even a word. There (laughs) There does exist an entire plethora of women that feel like Daenerys is a sort of champion for them, Mm -hmm. even if she is fictional. And that's why... We're going to talk about the stands for a moment. Um, their behavior as a whole aside, and not every Daenerys stand acts like this. It's just, I'm talking about them as a, as a whole. Um, I think one of the reasons they go so hard, not saying that I condone any sort of doxing that might take place or any sort of verbal abuse or saying that you're going to beat up Brendan Beefish at Dragon Con. 
Um, oh my. I don't condone. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear about? Okay. We won't go there. Um, <laughs> I don't condone that sort of behavior, but at the same time, I try to think about the fact that it's like these, first of all, these might be teenage girls doing a lot of this. Second off, they might feel the same, that they relate to her on such a deep level that an attack on da Daenerys feels like a personal attack. I feel that. Like, I ain't even gonna lie. I'm gonna beat Brendan B. Fish up at Dragon <laughs> Cards. <laughs> No, I just, I don't agree. Like, I feel like it's okay, like, not to agree with people and, like, they're still cool. Like, I don't have no problem with Jeff. Right. Like, we don't agree on Danny. I don't have no problem with him. Like, right. we're cool as shit. Because of the way that it happened. Right. Daenerys just, it kind of felt like they just threw her character in the trash. Right. And that shit on fire. And then there was nobody left to mourn her or care about her and then it, we get like this montage of the starks and don't get me wrong i love the starks but like i don't know all of that shit. it felt like it's a just... huge spit in the face you spent years making us yes queen this girl like get emotionally invested in her spend all these like we just put so much time and energy into Daenerys Targaryen whether you loved her or not mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they they pull the shit that they pull and it kind of felt like and I'm not saying this is what they were communicating I'm just expressing to you the emotions that went through my body as it aired at that time it felt like you are taking a strong woman and saying yep this is what happens <laughs> this yeah. is what happens you they know turn, they turn into uh what the that speech that she gave that speech was the icing on the fucking cake wasn't it reminiscent to hitler or stalin yes and i'm like who the fuck <laughs> i love watching john's reaction because he doesn't understand a goddamn word she's saying but when she says winterfell he's like uh what <laughs> and then Arya goes up to him I know a killer when I see one that part was just <laughs> what it's like bitch why is you here let's about this um can, yeah, can let's, cut let's... out can, can you cut out the bitch why is you here so her dragon eggs are a big part of this chapter mm -hmm. um one quote I want to talk about kind of has to do with Azor High. she says stone she told her they're only stone even Illyrio said so. The dragons are all dead. She put her palm against the black egg, fingers spread gently across the curve of the shell. The stone was warm, almost hot. The sun, Danny whispered. The sun warmed them as they rode. So one thing I want to talk about is that the dragon eggs are referred to stone many times. And they're mm -hmm. also referred to as stone dragons. She has a quote where like, um, she talks about the stone dragons locked inside the eggs. And I swear that makes me feel like it's totally some Azura High related waking dragons from stone type of thing. But also, I wanted to talk about the, what do you think Daenerys kind of incubating these eggs had anything to do with them hatching or was it solely that blood magic ritual? Um... Hmm. 
there might be a couple different possibilities. It, my only issue is, I think that those eggs were warm when she touched them mm -hmm. because of something supernatural. So obviously they were reacting to her from the get. Mm -hmm. So I think there might be a little bit of truth in both of those ideas. Mm -hmm. So I think that they were reacting to her, but I also think that the, um, not really ritual, but um, I got, yes, the eggs were reacting to her, Mm -hmm. But also, I think that it took Drogo's funeral pyre to really activate it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, it was more I, of a final step rather than this or that. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I just, when, like, she's going through these different phases where, like, the sun's heating the eggs. And then, you know, she's, like, holding the eggs when she's sleeping and putting them next to her baby and all of that. Like... It, it's reminiscent to me of like the Targaryen children from back in the day, like walking around with their eggs or taking their eggs wherever they go mm -hmm. and those eggs eventually hatching. So I think like that and of course the pyre had significant effect on birth and dragons and the pyre being like the main ingredient in the recipe. Mm -hmm. So she, um, Doria, and eerie and cheeky, cheeky. I, like I and magic and doria brave men kill them for dragon terrible evil beast it is known it is known agreed cheeky a trader from karth once told me that dragons came from the moon blonde doria said as she warmed a towel over the fire cheeky and eerie were of an age with danny Dothraki girls taken as slaves when Drogo destroyed their father's Kalasar. Dorea, Dorea, Magister Illyrio had found her in a pleasure house in Lys. Silvery wet hair tumbled across her eyes as Danny turned her head curious. The moon. He told me the moon was an egg, Khaleesi, the Lysini girl said. There were once two moons in the sky, but one wandered too close to the sun and cracked from the heat. A thousand thousand dragons poured forth and drank the fire of the sun. That is why dragons breathe flame. One day, the other moon will kiss the sun too, and then it will crack and the dragons will return. So there's like a lot of different legends, like when it comes to dragons and all of that shit. Um, I like the the moon and the sun um, theory, like the moon bumping into the sun theory. I like that because Daenerys is moon of Khal Drogo's life and Khal Drogo is like sun and stars and like them merging together actually rebirths, like brings dragons back into the world. So I like that. You know, that's better than what I was thinking when I read it, and even when you were reading it back to me, I was, <clears throat> like I said, I like yours better. But what I was thinking was Daenerys would clearly be the moon. But I don't know if the sun is a person in particular as much as it is events in her life. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, I mean, it could be Drogo, because it's definitely... <sighs> 
I mean, I kind of want to talk about her getting pregnant toward the end because I have a few different, not so much theories, but thoughts on what could be time correlation. But I mean, it's no spoiler that at the end of this chapter, it's revealed that she's pregnant. Yeah, I mean, and we can, it's around. We, oh, go ahead. We can we can jump right to that because there's really nothing really to discuss about right. that legend because it's the only one legend talked about in here and there's so many more legends that conflict it that if we sat here and debated the the, the merits right. of that legend we'd be another hour on the podcast right right it, it's just one of those things where it's like oh this could be a cool correlation so i mean i think there's a possibility so no one get mad at me or put words into my mouth or just just hear me out before you get heated. Um, I think there's a possibility that Danny was pregnant at the time she had that dragon dream in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And I think even if, whether, I don't think she knew she was pregnant if she were pregnant at that time. But I think it's part of what triggered that fight or flight in her that I had discussed. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not saying I think that the dragon was her baby. I'm saying that I think around this time it would make sense if she would have gotten pregnant when she had that dream and when the eggs are reacting to her. And that's not me saying it could have only happened if she got pregnant. Um, So, I mean, if she's the moon and Khal Drogo were the sun, I mean, he collided with her in a <laughs> in a manner of speaking and you know um and out and it, three dragons <laughs> right right and and the thing is too the thing is too like baby rago is tied up in that whole yeah birthing of the dragons as well and it's heartbreaking and it's extremely unfortunate and you know it's i don't wish the loss of a child in any capacity on anyone you know and it's such it was a big deal to danny whether or not she spends every chapter after that like absolutely crying about it or not rego definitely played his part in the birthing of the dragon so i think you know the whole sun and moon thing it's i think it's just a fun little tale i don't know if George is necessarily going to do anything super important with it. Yeah. It it, it can kind of be like what you make of it. Yeah. And it could have also been one of those nods like, I'm going to call her moon and I'm going to call him sun. And I'm going to give you this tale here. (laughs) Right. And then boom, she's pregnant. Right. (laughs) What, how does the saying go? Boom, pregnant. Um, But I mean, I don't know. I, I like the idea that it's inadvertently Drogo mm-hmm. in a sense. Like like he he definitely had to die for her to bring dragons forth in, in, in a chain of events, if you will. Because yes. I, mean, I believe, yeah, because she had already smothered him. Like he was already dead. There was really no life to exchange. It was Miri, Miri Maz's duel. Yeah. It was, it was her life that brought forth the dragons. If yeah, I'm we see that. It. We see it later, I think, in the House of the Undying, like dragons busting from her eyebrow. That's right. 
gross. House of the Undying is it. That is, it's uh, a very delightful book. And I think it like really shows, or it's a very delightful chapter. And I think it really shows off George's horror writing. Chop. Oh, oh, for sure. Because I remember reading it. Um, I think the first time I wrote it, I was working a night shift in a group home by myself at night. <laughs> and I read that chapter and it creeped me the fuck out. You know which one did it for me? Which one? The one where Call Drogo dies. Oh, because of the singing and the, the singing and the singing. shadows dancing in the tent. Like, it's just. No, thank you. Uh, yeah. Don't read that one by yourself. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> my favorite parts is this is like I'm about to talk about my favorite part of this chapter <laughs> and so this Daenerys has already made Viserys her bitch <laughs> then she makes called Drogo her bitch she takes <laughs> she takes him outside at night in front of the whole Kalasar and she rides him like a horse relentlessly rides him do you think it's- he cried I, he screamed her name. <laughs> it says, the moment of his pleasure, Khal Drogo called out her name. So, like, she's taking her power however she can get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's when we find out that she's pregnant. Yep. And it's only her 14th birthday. That, yeah, see, <laughs> it was like... You come, like, you know how sometimes, like, even though you know she's a kid, you have these moments where you forget that she's a kid. Mm-hmm. So you're reading it, and you're like, yes, girl, you go. You you ride that dick. You All make right, him yeah. your bitch. That's right. <laughs> right. Like, and then it's like, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, she's right. 14. <laughs> right. And so you're like, okay, she's she's getting it. She's getting it. Yep, yep. She showed him. She's taking back power. Oh, she's pregnant. Congratulations. It was her 14th name. That, nope. <laughs> George knows how to take you on an emotional roller coaster. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. She, for, yeah. So it's like, I don't know if he meant it this way, but it is kind of like a slap back down through reality. Like, okay, there are still conditions that she's living in that are right. absolutely not, absolutely not desirable. It's weird because obviously a Game of Thrones is canon, but between him changing so much in it, and I mean, he's still a fantastic writer in Game of Thrones, but you can see he very much improves between game and clash. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just like don't consider game as canon in my head. So I never like know when he writes something in game, I'm like, was that intentional? Did he mean to do something with this later on? Like, long story short, when I read something in game, I don't necessarily bank on the fact that it's going to have consistency later on in the books. So. Especially the early chapters. Right. Like the, fir- like the first half. Right. Some of, his, some of his analogies are just weird. And I totally get, like, one thing I love about how he writes point of view chapters is the analogies that these characters have in their heads is is so relevant to their everyday life like you have an asha chapter and she's gonna her her inner monologue the analogies are going to be dealing with being a sailor or a pirate being out at sea you know just like Mm -hmm. dealings like that 
But I mean, gang kind of kills me because it's talking about the Valyrian road that's straight as a Dothraki arrow. What? <laughs> are there crooked arrows out there? I don't understand. You know, he's, he, he's trying to use analogies that are relevant to Daenerys because it's her inner monologue. It's her point of view chapter, but it's like the Dothraki arrow part. Like, I'm going to nitpick that. It's like, you could have said arrow and it <laughs> right. would have been good. You know? Well, the last guest that I had on, um, shout out to him, Poncho Jack. Um, we talked about, well, he talked about the way that George writes characters and the way that he actually like gets, like puts himself as that character. Like, mm-hmm. none, like none of the POVs sound the same. Right. Like you read an Arya chapter and everything's stupid. Like that exact <laughs> You know, everything's stupid, and this person's stupid, and this, you know, like, everything makes her so angry, which understandable. <laughs> you know, it's from, you know, and then you read a brand chapter, and, like, you pout with him. <laughs> right. You know, and I don't care what anyone says, Bran has his moments where he pouts, whether or not it says he's pouting. Of course, an eight-year-old doesn't think they're pouting. Yeah. You know, and it's understandable, because look at his living conditions, you know, I mean, I I love the way that he, and it just comes to show the fact that men hate Sansa tells you that George writes her really, really well because he's writing from the perspective of a preteen slash teenage girl. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like, yes, hate her. It's written really well. No, I'm just saying like where some of the disinterest or impatience or even dislike for Sansa comes in is because she's a young girl and she's like, oh, my golden lion, oh, lemon cakes. I'm going to nibble on this lemon cake, you know, and it's, they're just written really well, but game was definitely. He he definitely got stronger as he went. Yeah. Yeah. And not even it. I would say, I don't even know if it's he got stronger or the world got built out more and got more richer to where the analogies actually made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's probably a mix of both. I mean, I'm of sorry, course, but of I course just, you're going to get better. <laughs> I am petty and I can't get over the Dothraki arrow analogy <laughs> because I can't think of, I can't think of a crooked arrow. Like, I bet I, the, ch- yeah. the children of the forest probably had crooked arrows. Maybe, but do you remember? <laughs> do you remember that Disney? Of course, you do, because everybody talks about it lately. The Robin Hood Disney film with the foxes, and you know, um, Little John is a big bear. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember the archery tournament? Where no, Robin, okay. So there's a scene where they're doing an archery tournament, and you know, Robin Hood is posing as this super poor archer with no name, and he's using arrows that are just sticks tied to sticks. (laughs) And that's what I think, like, I don't know. He said straight as a Dothraki arrow. And that's the first thing I thought. Well, maybe their arrows, like, maybe their arrows are more straight because that's their main choice of, well, that's not even their main choice of weapon. (laughs) I just don't see a crooked arrow being aerodynamic. Me either. Uh, okay, maybe there's someone out there that knows shit about archery or medieval weapons or even physics. Are you crooked know? arrows a thing? I need to know because this is it's this living will keep in my her, head. This will keep her up at night. <laughs> it is living in my head rent free right now. So 
So three, is there anything that you wanted to add that we didn't cover? Um, did we talk about Daenerys and her relationship with Drogo? Yes. I think we said we were going to, and I don't remember if we did. We did. The, that was the first thing. After okay. Ghost, after Ghost got Paris. it. Got it. Because I know some thoughts that I was having, like, about Eerie and Cheeky. Mm-hmm. And it's something I didn't even notice until, like, a couple days ago when I was rereading the chapter. Like, I know me personally, so frequently, Eerie and Cheeky are just kind of, like, afterthoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're just kind of throwaway characters. And I never stopped to consider the fact that Daenerys, like they, they really do help to enrich Daenerys's world and her character where it's sitting. And I know that um, whether we agree with it, whether we like it or not, Daenerys does end up falling in love with Drogo. Daenerys mm-hmm. does end up enjoying elements of her. That actually, I think she straight up enjoys her environment and all that, and she makes do. And I was thinking about the fact that it's, there are two two things to that. Um, when you grow up in abuse and you grow up in a hostile environment. And like we talked about, Viserys is the only person who quote unquote took care of her or quote unquote cared about her. Mm-hmm. After that, everything is a goddamn step up. Yeah. And you're not going to know any better. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you grew up in a home where both of your parents are beating the shit out of you and you, let's just say you age out in foster care and you don't really know nurture and love and you end up with, you know, an abusive boyfriend you don't always know that he's abusive because most people will most people will attest to the fact that in an abusive relationship there are still good times mm-hmm. and you get tied up in that and unfortunately you don't know better because it is genuinely the best you've ever been treated yeah you know and up to this point drogo is the best that daenerys has ever been treated and what's on top of it the women that are surrounding her in her environment, they're just so desensitized to the idea of, you know, like, Ari and Cheeky were, what were they, daughters of calls? Yeah, that were killed. Right. They were basically princesses. Mm-hmm. And now they're slaves. And I don't, I don't think they really, if they care, we don't really get. They don't voice it. Right. And it's just so normal for them, you know, and they seem so chipper. It's just, well, this is life. This is the Dothraki way. And so Daenerys is surrounded by these people that it's like, yep, that's life. We are property because we're women. And basically we go to not so much the highest bidder, but to the Victor go spoils. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and in the uh, born in it mm-hmm. and it's all that they know. And it's probably like they probably live their life knowing that their parents could die at any minute and they get sold off to another call or like even the Dothraki women, like I think Daenerys needing to go live with the Dosh Kaleen after her call dies is stupid. <laughs> so I also <laughs> think like that those women, 
they don't rebel against that. Like, right. They, they just go with it because it's, I, it's how, you know, their culture. I, yeah. Right. And so when Daenerys, like I, whether you like, like I said, whether you like it or not, she falls in love with Khal Drogo she and that doesn't mean he didn't rape her. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean that he didn't mistreat her. It's just up to this point in Daenerys's life, that's genuinely the best she's had it. And so... And that's saying something. Right. It's still a sad picture, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So you end up seeing such discourse online about whether or not Daenerys was in love with Khal Drogo. Like, like I said, you have people doxing other people over this shit. It's like, hey, there's room for both truths. Yeah, she there definitely, is. she definitely loved him. Right. There's and not that a doubt that she right. loved him. And that doesn't mean that it has to be okay. That doesn't mean that George is communicating that it's okay. It yeah, happened. I never, like, I know a lot. It's getting, you know, when I say more powerful, I don't just mean like, oh, magic. But I mean, like, when she starts accumulating more followers and you know more political power if you will and even coming into herself a lot more and becoming a stronger woman Mm -hmm. she still looks back at her time with drogo very fondly and she i mean she names her favorite child drogon (laughs) you know and like it's it's one of those things where it's it is what it is within the story and george isn't saying that it's okay you know, he's just saying, like, this is realistically how a 14 to 16-year-old girl is going to react to her first marriage, her first love, you know. First um, dick. <laughs> first dick. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My, my, dad, my dad is going to die. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dad's gonna be like, I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. Um, but, <laughs> um, fun doing Daenerys three. I'm was really glad to do it with you because I know, like, we've talked about our Daenerys feels in private so, so much. <laughs> yes. So it's good to talk about them with you online. Actually, my next um Daenerys chapter is with Vanessa Cole, and she, like I picked all Daenerys stands for Daenerys chapters because I don't have time. Guys, next week.